Our scripture reading today is from uh, 1 Kings chapter 3, if you want to follow along in your Bibles, starting at verse 1. So Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter. He brought her to the city of David until he finished building his palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people, however, were still sacrificing at the high places because a temple had not yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You've continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I am only a little child that do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke, and he realized it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem, stood before the ark of the Lord's covenant, and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he gave a feast for all his court. This is the word of the Lord. What's on your schedule for tomorrow? Tomorrow's a big day in Canada. It's voting time. And I hope everyone will get out and exercise their democratic right to vote. I mean, when you look at what's happening around the world these days, you realize what a gift that Canada still holds in its hands. And the the right to vote for a political party of your choice uh, that we think will best serve Canadians is is still just a very much a a wonderful privilege. Of course, I'm not allowed to share my personal thoughts on the various parties, and I respect that. In every congregation, we have a diversity of opinion, and we need to appreciate that, and we need to value that. But what I am pleased about is that the younger generation, if we're reading the media correctly, uh, may engage tomorrow in larger numbers than ever before in the history of our country, and we're hopeful for that. We need you to help shape tomorrow. We need churches to pray and to be awakened and to ask God for his direction for our land. We've uh, developed a culture, as you can see, of how we go about uh, political campaigns and Obviously, it must be effective, but it does become laborious. And uh, with the attack ads and the putting down of leaders and platforms. And, you know, I was thinking it would be wonderful to actually hear 
you know, you've, you do have a good idea there. Maybe we could work together on that. It would be wonderful to hear, I appreciate your heart for this country and the way you're trying to make this happen. I appreciate your thoughtful approach and your wisdom for the challenging problems that we face in our country. <laughs> it's just not the way of politics. But I think we'd like it to be. I'd like to choose a word for us this morning for our consideration. And while we have our eye on the text, we're also thinking about what's going to take place tomorrow in this great country. So I'd like to dust off this unique person that we've heard about in the reading today uh, by the name of Solomon, King Solomon. And I know we very quickly connect one word with Solomon, and that is the word wisdom. Wisdom. Solomon was a very wise man. And we need leaders who are wise. Women and men of principle and integrity and character. I'm interested this morning to sketch a little bigger picture of Solomon than perhaps just one particular passage, but I will stay within the confines of the text too. But he is an interesting individual. He started so well in his life and in his kingship and in his leadership, and he's quite a, he's quite a model. He had incredible resources. Unfortunately, he didn't finish as well as he started. And that's a challenge for all of us to not only be energetic and, and passionate for a few years of our lives, but to be resilient and to be wise and to make it right to the finish line. Because if the race is 400 meters, it really is inconsequential how fast you do the first 100 meters. What is decisive is how you run the whole race. To start strong and to run out of gas on the second lap is not really the example that we're looking for. But what does it take to get right to the finish line and to actually finish well? How do you live with resilience? How do you have an enduring spirit? Some of you, I'm sure, have seen the program on TV called Jeopardy. Uh, I think we would all like to be able to answer those questions. And, and some of those are such tough questions. I, I'm amazed at what people know. <laughs> and I'm struck with how little I know and how a few of those questions I can get. But remember Ken Jennings? The guy who won two and a half million dollars. Uh, he's the guy who's showing that he can handle facts, but can he handle money? Through Jeopardy, I mean, he has suddenly become a millionaire a couple times over. It's changed his life. So what he did was he went to the library and he checked out a book uh, on advice as to how to avoid the difficulties faced by people who experience financial windfalls. And he writes, there are unbelievable statistics that three-quarters of all people who have some big windfall are out of money within two to five years. So many people are not smart about it. He said, so I think it would be very ironic if I get the money for being smart and then did something like 
incredibly dumb and spent all my money in five years. So Ken Jennings may not only be smart, but he might be wise as well. Now, as we follow the thread line of wisdom through the journey of Solomon, you see an interesting progression. The journey of wisdom in Solomon's life begins with a realization of need. And if you have your Bible and are following, uh, we're in 1 Kings 3. Uh, if you've had a chance to read on other occasions, uh, 1 Kings 2 and previous to that, uh, King David is dying. After a long and glorious life, uh, a life filled with walking in God's ways, this very fine servant of God is passing from this life to be with his forefathers. And he passes the mantle on to one of his sons, Solomon. Now, if you take the time to read uh, the first couple chapters of 1 Kings, you'll see that the succession didn't come very easily. And it's not been easy in Canada uh, either to select a ruling party, to work together, to put aside some of our differences so that we can serve together on behalf of the people of this great country. The House of Commons is comical at times. You watch it. It really is hilarious. And other times it's quite heartbreaking. How does government work so that we take the best ideas and support and run with them and enhance our country and our world? When David died... There was unrest. There was vying for the position of leader in the country. But in the end, Solomon takes the throne just as God has promised would happen. So Solomon begins his reign and God comes to this young man in the opening days of his leadership as king. It says, and the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream and God said, ask for me. Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Now, if, if you'd never read the story, what would you have asked for? If, if God said to you, ask for whatever you want me to give you, you're going to be the next prime minister. You're going to be the next member of parliament. What do you think would come to your mind? Bank account or? Some possessions or honor, good body, health, lucrative career. It didn't seem to take Solomon very long to arrive at his answer. He reiterated God's kindness to his father David. And then he affirmed God's kindness to him as David's son, now assuming the leadership of the country. But he said, God, I'm only a little child. <clears throat> this is a bit overwhelming for me. I don't know how to carry out my duties. In order for me to be a good leader, it will take more than what I have. Don't you love that heart? It will take more than what I have. So verse 9 of 1 Kings 3 has become the prayer for many people through the generations because this was the request of Solomon. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. 
For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Pray for our leaders to have a spirit of humility like that. I mean, he, he must have already had some wisdom to ask for wisdom, right? And God was pleased with that request. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. All I can say is, what a good start in life. Talk about starting a career with the blessing of God in abundance like that. Solomon, you are the man. Only one condition. Tuck this away. Verse 14. And if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes. Solomon, you've got it all. No finer start for anyone in all of life. Just remember the condition. Don't get soft. Don't get distracted. Don't get careless. Don't let power go to your head. Keep centered. I mean, not only every leader, but every one of us, every one of us needs to take stock of that verse. Ask for wisdom. I guess that most of us pray that prayer every day. Lord, wisdom. Lord, wisdom. I need your wisdom today. What are we asking for when we ask for wisdom? What is wisdom? Wisdom is a special relationship with the Lord, with the one who helps us define and give life meaning. Wisdom is the equilibrium, the balance of life that keeps us between the ditches of life. It keeps us from veering off here and veering off over here. But wisdom is the ability to follow a true course through the uh, bewildering maze of life. When you start on the right road, it could be that there is the allurement of something that pulls you off. The allurement of achieving financial success that takes you off the main road. You see those signs flashing, get rich quickly, and, and it makes you want to turn off the main road. But wisdom has the ability to evaluate that side road and say, but that isn't true. If I get over there, I'll be in the weeds. I could have a crash. Wisdom is the ability to not jeopardize character. Pray for our leaders to be men and women of character. Wisdom. But no sooner do you go a little further on the main road and you see the allurement of sex. And that's such a powerful side road today. Many are pulling off to experience premarital and extramarital sex. And wisdom is the ability to look at the situation and say, no, that's going to hurt me. It looks great, but it's going to hurt me and others. And I will pull back onto the main road. That's wisdom. 
And you see, as you travel every mile of the road, wisdom <clears throat> needs to kick in or you find yourself in the ditch. It could be the alluring road of having a name. I mean, what would possess a man like O.J. Simpson to write a book if I did do it years after? If I did do it. Power. The need for recognition. We pull off because if we travel this road, we might have lots of personal recognition and power. And it's very tempting. And wisdom says, but it won't last long. And once you have walked there for a while, it will get really old. So wisdom keeps you on the main road through the maze and the complexities of life. And think about that. Life is complex, very complex. When an egg gets scrambled, it's very hard to unscramble the egg. It never looks the same again. Relationships get complex. Situations get complex. And, and wisdom is required. Perhaps uh, saying it very simply, wisdom is learning who we are, finding out about ourselves and who God made us to be. It's quite possible to go through life without really knowing who we are and why God has put us on this planet and how he's called us to serve him. And that's why the book of Proverbs is so amazing. These Proverbs direct us through the maze. When you read uh, the book of Proverbs, just think of a maze of roads through life. And this book is trying to guide us through all the complexities of life and to keep us back onto the main road. And you can ask God for this wisdom. And that's very clearly stated in James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. So we can ask for wisdom. I mean, many times in the day, I'm saying, Lord, would you give me some wisdom here? And you're asking that also. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I mean, when you're trying to solve some of the behavior problems with the kids, you're praying, Lord, just give me wisdom here. Help me not to overreact here. Help me to have wisdom. What's the key to my child's heart? What do they need? We ask for wisdom for our family in my relationship with my wife or my husband. What's the wisdom that's needed? I'm going to give a talk at some place. Lord, give me wisdom to speak into the situation the words of God. A business decision. What should we do, Lord? Is this the right timing on this? Are you leading us in this direction? Give us wisdom to discern whether to wait or whether to go ahead. Staying out of the ditches. Lord, this looks so attractive. And they, they say that there's a, it's a one-time offer. Just take it now or lose it. But Lord, I need your wisdom. Solomon asked God for wisdom and not for stuff. And God gave him lots of stuff, but that was just all a bonus. The main thing that was that he asked for discernment and wisdom. 
Secondly, the test of wisdom. There's no doubt wisdom and discernment will be tested often in our lives. A man received notice that his son, during his final year in high school, had failed a course. And the father had determined in his mind that his son would attend the best college, realized that a failing grade would jeopardize his son's chances to enter a top school. And the father's immediate reaction was to blame the teacher uh, for his son's failing grade. So storming into the teacher's classroom, the father proceeded to accuse the teacher of unfairness. He threatened to have the teacher's job if the grade was not changed. And the father left the classroom in a heated rage, headed for the principal's office, where in a torrent he he demanded the principal's intervention. The father's rage escalated and he began to make threats against the principal. He would go to the school board and have the principal's job. And it was just escalating. At the height of all of this tension, there was a brief pause followed by these words from the principal. He said, sir, I can see that you love your son very much. And when he said that, this rage, this anger that had been bottled up started to release, started to melt away. And before long, that father just became a shower of tears and a sense of healing started to take place in his life. And it came through a principle who was full of wisdom. He had the ability to discern what was really going on in his heart. That's wisdom. It would almost seem that Solomon was immediately faced with an enormous test. 1 Kings chapter 3, 16 to 28 is suspenseful reading. I'll recap it for you. Two women, two prostitutes come before Solomon. One of their babies died and both claimed that the one left was theirs. I mean, who knows the truth to this? Solomon didn't know these mothers. He didn't know anything about them. Yet he had to figure out a way to solve this. I mean, what would we have done? Extensive interviews for an hour? Taken them one at a time, run a gridlock of questions and see if we could trip one of them up to see who's telling the truth? Do you remember what Solomon says? Bring me a sword. (laughs) An unconventional counseling technique. (laughs) Bring me a sword and I'll cut the baby in two and each of you will get half. Well, that was so shocking. I mean, it forced the truth. The real mom reveals herself. She'd rather give up her son than have him die. Now, the text mentions these women's occupation for a reason. Prostitutes in the ancient world were generally slaves. Usually they had been sold into slavery by their parents. And they were the lowest of the low. They were despised. And the writer is showing us that Solomon is committed to making sure that everybody receives justice. Even the prostitute real mom gets justice. He asks for wisdom so he can serve God's people. Therefore, he's blessed by God. 
whoever our new prime minister will be, pray for him. That he will be able to respond to the complex challenges that comes his way. And that he will be a man filled with justice and concern for those who are lowest on the totem pole. That he will have a heart for the poor, that he will have a heart for those who have been broken and bruised by the inequities of life. Because that's the heart of God. But this is a principle for all leaders. Our governments, our corporations, our churches, our charitable organizations, and all of us as individuals. Solomon passed his first critical test. And I would submit to you the credibility that came with this momentous decision was quite phenomenal. Verse 28 says, When all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. He had wisdom from God. Glory went to God through all of this and Solomon demonstrated that he had the wisdom of the Lord. You know, when people are fair and just and wise in the way they approach life, their stock goes up immediately. On a flight from Atlanta to Chicago in July 2004, nine U.S. soldiers home from Iraq on a two-week leave were among the passengers. Before one of the soldiers boarded, boarded, Uh, A passenger traded his first-class ticket for the soldier's coach ticket. As the plane was boarding, other passengers asked to trade their first-class seats for the coach seats occupied by the remaining soldiers. A flight attendant on the American Airlines flight said, it was such a privilege to be flying with those two groups of unselfish people those who would put their lives on the line to protect their fellow citizens and those who were not ashamed to say, thank you, thank you. How encouraging to see credibility and respect in today's world. It seems rare. Today we talk about playing hardball. And it's become a way of life. Our interchanges are confrontational, divisive, and dismissive. Truth is not something we expect to emerge from a conversation. Pray for our government, for a spirit of fairness and justice. When people are fair, when people are filled with integrity, when people make decisions to benefit not themselves but the bigger picture, the people who stand around are in awe, are in awe. Maybe in the arena in which you and I live, and work, we can ask, am I fair? Do I listen? Do I make good decisions where I have authority? Do I honor the poor? Do I look after those who can't look after themselves? Do I seek justice for all? In chapter 4, verse 20, we have a description of the state of God's people. And this is a great verse. The people of Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They ate, they drank, and they were happy. What a descriptive statement of life in Israel. One other thing about Solomon, the high point of his reign, 
The achievement that meant the most to Israel was the construction of the temple. And God gave Solomon the privilege to build that amazing temple. Then the examples of wisdom. Solomon put some of his wisdom into writing, and they're called the Proverbs. Most likely the Proverbs were a a mini curriculum in in their day, Uh, maybe like a Leadership 101 course. And you wonder if, if this was such a valuable course and leaders went through it in their day, if it wouldn't be a good book to recommend to everyone today, every MP, a prime minister, an MLA, uh, to read the book of Proverbs. Wouldn't it be wonderful if every high school student had a course in the Proverbs? So when they emerged from the first phase of their education, they not only had knowledge, but they were seekers of wisdom. Wouldn't it be wonderful if all moms and dads knew this book, the Proverbs, so well that they had discovered the enduring principles to invest in the lives of their children? I mean, take a look at the screen. Want to know why the Proverbs were given? Don't you think they're valuable not only for Life Management 101 for ancient Israel, but why not for today? Listen to these words. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David... King of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance." Well, Solomon was a great leader, and he was a difference maker in his generation. He was given so much. In a sense, he had trouble handling all that he was given. I mean, it's hard to keep our heads when we have lots, lots of power, lots of riches, lots of fame. And God said to Solomon, if you're faithful right to the finish line, if you live a life of resiliency, if you have an enduring spirit and faithfully follow all the days of your life, I will establish the royal throne over Israel forever. It's hard to walk with a full cup. You ever tried it? He had a great start. He struggled to finish well. He ran well for the first two or three hundred meters, but he stumbled on the last lap. But even that, he was a difference maker. And the challenge for us today is to ask the Lord for wisdom for daily living. Lord, what would you have me to do? And the challenge is to be resilient as followers of Christ. So we work towards that end. Let's stand together.